to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. I will put you in a trunk and help other people look for you. Quit playing with me. And Dale Hummel. I am only racist against the gay when he gives me shit. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel alongside co-star Ryan Rash. Good morning. It is a wonderful day, Ryan. How's your week been? Oh, my week has been really interesting in a lot of ways. How was the end of your vacation, first off? Let's get that out of the way. I can discuss some of those things, and and I think they're relevant to to our current events. When I uh, traveled to Gulf Shores, Alabama, there was absolutely zero social distancing. This intrigued me to the point that we have people from all over the country there as it's one of the most opened up places in the United States. So I'm noticing no social distancing. Everything seems normal. We do have masks on servers at restaurants, but many of the restaurants absolutely table to table, jam-packed, waiting outside. So I took it upon myself to to visit with some of the locals that are working in restaurants and, and other places there. And to their knowledge, not many of them are getting tested for COVID-19, but at the same time, none of them have noticed anybody getting sick from such. And they claim it's been as busy there the past three weeks as it has been in the history of, of Gulf Shores, certainly as, as busy as the busiest time last year. So with that said, there, there's no question the virus has to be present. And in, in, in my opinion, the locals must be asymptomatic. Obviously, the tourists are going home and you don't know. So there's no doubt there is spreading going on. It is happening. But at the same time, I think because it's such a low percentage of people that it truly affects, it's, it's, it's honestly not on the radar. I was more interested about your plane ride home. We talked about plane rides last time. No, we talked about the plane ride there. We have not yet got to talk about the plane ride home. I can share that experience. And as we're, we're coming home, we flew down on Southwest Airlines and some of the Southwest flights and, and Ryan can maybe attribute to some of his flights how they are. But in the on the way down, they did skip the middle seat. I don't know if it's intentional. They just didn't have that many passengers sign up for the flight or book that flight. But the middle row was open on our, our flight down. On the way back, I believe we came back on American Airlines, and we're boarding the plane. We get situated and, and sat down the plane. It looks like a moderately full flight. As everybody's getting on the plane, just prior to the door closing, all of a sudden you hear a lady speak up and, and basically start screaming, what about social distancing? What about social distancing? She just continued this and even threw in their Southwest does social distancing. And very, very upset. And this went on for a few minutes. At one point, while she was still screaming this, a flight attendant tried to address her, and, and she, she, for the most part, ignored it and continued to say as loud as she could, what about social distancing? Eventually, she calms down. The flight attendants move some people around in the back of the plane so they can get her a seat so there's not somebody sitting beside her. What was more intriguing to me than, than the person being concerned about social distancing is that the passengers around me and others, you could hear them saying, lady, this, this is an airplane. It doesn't, doesn't happen on an airplane. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable, get off the airplane. And that seemed to be the overwhelming majority. Again, these are people traveling, so they're probably not as concerned about COVID-19 as maybe the average person in the population. But there is a divide between those that are concerned about it and those that aren't 
more than I've ever seen. I am just the most upset because, like, I travel more than almost any person I know. I never get any of this fun stuff <laughs> to happen on my airplane flights. I've gone to all these major cities. I don't get to see any riders, any looters, any anything. Like, I, this is just a big buzzkill for me because, like, I, I, would I, like to, I would like to get in on some of this action. I've had three flights. We had a connecting flight on the way back, uh, three or four flights here in the last few months, and, and I, I get to see all this. And I, 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 I guess it's entertaining, but it's, it's really odd to me just what's going on. And the other odd fact, and, and I'm sure, Ryan, you could tell me more about it. I go to Chicago Hair usually, and, and we talked about this in other episodes, and it's been pretty well empty, starting to pick up a little bit now. But I've noticed from one airport to another, uh, Pensacola, Florida, completely empty. Not hardly a person in the airport. We show up at Charleston, North Carolina, as jam-packed as I've ever seen an airport. It seems like they're either completely vacant or more crowded than I've ever seen. No, you're exactly right on that. And, like, I don't know how that works other than, like, I can tell you back before Miss Rona, there was five or six flights a day from IAH direct into Indy. Now there is none. They're all rerouted either through Chicago or Denver. And so I've flown like every week here lately. Either on my way there or on my way back, I have gone through Denver every time. And the Denver airport is like nothing has ever happened. It is wall-to-wall people. DFW, not really packed. Houston, IAH, looks like a ghost town. So... I don't get it. I don't understand why it is that way, but you are right that that's how they are. I think there there's obviously fewer flights and they're routing them through specific hubs and it's really crowding those hubs where now they're they're and it's pulling away from some of the other airports other than those one or two flights going in a day, but it is it is interesting. I I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure how that's that's all going to level out, but hopefully it does appear as I'm trying to book flights. It's difficult the, the, to get flights booked, especially direct flights. But hopefully we'll get more flights online and it'll become more normal each day. Well, I went to Indiana this past weekend to sort a show. And I, I love Indiana. It's my favorite I state. I love downtown Indy. I have never seen so many businesses boarded up in my life. Like nothing in downtown Indy was open. Other than like the Capitol Grill, Nikki Blaine's Bar, and that's about it. Now, I did hear that St. Elmo's, I think, opened on Saturday night, maybe. But, and it is to the point in Indy that these businesses have been boarded up for so long that the local government has now commissioned graffiti artists to paint over the plyboard. How about that? Of the private businesses. Yes. Wow. And I saw a Snapchat that Ryan had showed or sent a video to me with it just boarded up. And I have not been in a downtown city since this all, all the riots had happened. And, and it was shocking to me. And you hear more and more about business owners getting out of the city and they're not going to reopen. You hear about people looking for real estate into the suburbs and into the countryside, those that can afford it. And it's, it's amazing to me. Let, let's take a moment. And think about where many of the inequality issues, including high unemployment, high crime, high perception of police department issues, these are all the same cities that have been 
controlled by a Democratic mayor since all the way back to the 1930s. How can people point fingers at others and not those that have been in power that have not implemented solutions in the past 30 to 80 years? I am totally confused with the hypocrisy that's going on here. The mayors of these cities that are allowing all this to happen are the same mental philosophy that others have had in their position to to allow this continuance of inequality and, and not not find a way to make it better rather than than maybe enable such. Well, it's funny that you bring up hypocrisy because I know that we have lots of several current event things to go through and we actually have a topic on in terms of livestock stuff that I think will be interesting and needs to be talked about. But I'm just going to clear something up right now. So <laughs> I got directed to one of our iTunes uh, podcast reviews where someone decided that we were racist, which I can. We as in, as in you and I, not just you. Yes, both of us. Yes, Mr. White Privilege, you are racist too. So anyhow, but I cannot speak for Dale on this topic, but I want to address this because it really has pissed me off, just to be honest. If you are going to call somebody a racist, you better understand what racism is. And clearly, this person does it because racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed at a person or group of people on the basis of their membership of a particular race or a group. And it's typically one in the minority or a group that is marginalized. In the livestock industry, there is no smaller group or more demand group than homosexuals. And whoever this is that decided that I am a racist, I want to talk to you directly. You do not know my story. You have no idea what I have been through to be the person who I am in this industry. You do not know what has been done to me. I have been threatened physically. My animals at shows have been beat. My stalls, my trucks, my trailers have been vandalized, spray-painted on. I have been called vile, horrible, unimaginable things. Not only to my face and behind my back, but in message boards, on social media, and the internet for years now. So if you're going to call me a racist, you better understand that that's not even possible because I have been discriminated against as much as more as anybody in this industry. And so all I have to say for you, whoever you are, is do not come for me unless I send for you because you have no clue who I am or what I have been through. And I don't know who the, the person is that, that, that posted that review. Obviously, it's not tied to a specific name, but my assumption is it's, it's a random person that may not even be in the livestock industry that may not know your story is the only possible way that, that I could come up with that. And if they want to throw darts at me, and I've, I've made comments that are, are strong, I, I think they're, they're truthful and they're honest. And I think I go back to the, the standpoint that 
the law needs to be equal across everybody. I don't care who it who it is about, what color, what sex, what anything. Let's just be equal across the board. And who cares what what color the skin is, or if you're you're gay, or if you're heterosexual? Who I don't I could care less about any of it. Let's just be consistent and move on. It's easy. The only thing I discriminate against is ignorance, and no one's going to change my standpoint on that. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. And I have that same problem. Ignorance, um, those unwilling to get out and, and help themselves. And I, I don't even know a word for this, but I am guilty. Those that, that, that don't put out an effort to, to try to help society or help themselves or fall into that realm that they, they don't even try to educate themselves on, on a topic prior to, to bringing it up or, or pushing it, that concerns me. What else concerns me, and this kind of goes back to that Democrat-controlled cities for, for so many years, we're talking about defunding the police a little bit still. This past weekend in Chicago, 104 shootings. This weekend alone, including 14 deaths. I have heard no mention of these victims' names or those who have been doing the shootings. Why are these 14 people less important than any other? Because they do not fit the mainstream media's push right now. Those 14 people died senselessly. Just as tragic as any death. But that does not fit the mainstream media's narrative right now. So you're not going to hear that. Just like this bullshit in Seattle, the CHOP or Chaz, whatever hell you want to call it. Now there's been three shootings, one death, and two rapes. And finally, that mayor is going to say... Okay, now we're going to have to ask y'all to leave. She's not pushing them out. She is asking them to peacefully pack up their tents and go elsewhere. And do we know if this is working? Are they are they no, planning to do No, it's not working. Yesterday, <laughs> no, that's not working. Yesterday they were armed, and now they were even practicing human chains, where they chain up together. So when they come in to eventually. I assume she's going to have to resort to using police and force to get them out of there. So now they're practicing human chain tactics. They were having drills yesterday. In the autonomous zone. Uh-huh. With their, what What was it uh, supposed to be a warlord? Is that their leader? Yeah, it, he's still unidentified now. But, yeah, because think about the civil issues and civil suits from business owners, people. I'm assuming not only business owners, but would you not assume people live in that area? Oh yes. I, I'm 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 just amazed. In that six block radius, thirty thousand people live there. Wow. Yeah, pretty. Or, that, pretty or that's what it says. Out. There was a man on Fox News this morning that he has had his business in that same spot for thirty eight years, and he is relocating to Arizona. Yeah. No, I, I saw that that as well, and and I don't know how you can. I mean, you don't know that it's not going to happen again. I I I don't blame him. Another. Maybe sensitive topic, and I guess we we address these, and that's that's part of it in, in the transparency that that Ryan and I try to bring to this podcast. Um, there's some things going on in NASCAR that confuse me, Ryan. Maybe you can clear, lend some clarity to that. Well, so Bubba Wallace at whatever NASCAR race he was at last weekend, he goes into his garage and he sees this rope hanging there that he claims is a noose and was planted there as a hate crime. Which, at the time, there were several people, even on mainstream media, and of course not 
CNN or MSNBC, but there were media outlets that, because there was no pictures of it or anything like this, they questioned the story, which I think that just further fed into it. So everyone rallies behind him and they have this moment of solidarity and all this. And it was very touching and very moving and it made huge headlines. Well, because of all this, the FBI goes down there to investigate. And in a couple of days, they figure out that it is not a noose. It is a garage door pulley. They have video evidence that show that in October 2019, this same garage door pulley was in the same location in this garage. And that all the other garages at this location of this NASCAR race have them as well. So my thing is, I get that right now everybody's stirred up and tensions are high and Bubba Wallace could have made a mistake. And if he thought it was news, I get that. After the FBI investigates this and shows you the evidence, this morning this man is still on the news claiming that this is a hate crime and it was a news and that he's right and the FBI is wrong. Now, this does no good for anyone. Anyone. People make mistakes. We all have, have moments of paranoia. I will be the first to admit it. But this is why this country is at the point it is. It's because of stuff like this right here. I can can accept where we're at in terms of everybody being hypersensitive. And, and this is a, a perfect example of that. And I'm a little bit fearful we're going to stay in this tense mode or this sensitivity mode for, for quite a while. And I appreciate everybody getting behind Bubba and, no, and supporting him. it was a beautiful him. moment. Under, under the presumption that there was a noose hanging in the garage. And, Amen and God bless America. Yeah, no, no that that's great. And I, and I think people are that way in general. That's good. But Sometimes we, we are becoming hypersensitive, and that's troubling. And there is nothing wrong with this man making a mistake because of being hypersensitive and this where we're at right now and the pulse of everything. There's nothing wrong. But when the FBI concludes its investigation, and you know that they went to him probably very soon after it's over to give him the facts and the evidence of all this, why can he not just come out and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry for it. I still believe that, you know, the support and the solidarity that everyone came in behind me with when I thought this was a hate crime, that that's still what we need to put out there in the world regardless. But thank God this was not what I thought it was. That would be more healing than what he's doing right now. That is the direction we need to go. Absolutely correct across the board on that one. And that, that, that is how we, we fix what we're going through right now in terms of the racial tensions is let's be open, let's be honest, and let's not focus on those extremely loud ones that, that are in the minority, but rather that we keep talking about this silent majority that has no problem with any color of anybody, and, and, and it's fine. But oftentimes it's it's not taken that way, and, and maybe we need to speak up a little bit more. 
And then the other thing, and I know this is getting too long, and but that's fine. I do not understand why, you know, again, what happened to George Floyd was absolutely horrific. It should never happen. There needs to be police reform. There need to be steps made to weed out the bad apples in all industries, not just the police force, but first and foremost, the police force. That man has been arrested, has been charged. He's awaiting trial. And I, I remember when we were, we were, this was fresh. And I was like, after they arrest him, until the trial happens, and God, I hope that family gets justice. I do. But what's next? Now what's next is we're going to tear down every statue and monument in America for some reason. Now look, the reason America is the greatest country in the world is because it was founded by people that wanted a better way of life for not just them, but for everyone that came to this country. And no one in America is perfect. No one. The people, our founding fathers, these statues, these monuments that are made of these people, they are not perfect. But you cannot go back and erase history and rewrite it and tear down monuments because you're mad over something that's happening right now. The reason America is great is because we learn from our history and the mistakes of the past. And we continue to grow and do better. But when you wipe out history, the future generations can't learn from it. They, this is insanity. I'm not saying we have to agree that these people were perfect. Put a plaque up there with the good, the bad, and the ugly about that person. That's fine. Let everyone know the whole truth about these people. But they also did some very unique things that helped America become what they what we are today. And you cannot rewrite history because if you do, we are destined to make the same mistakes again. No question. When we don't learn from history, we repeat history. Every it just it's been proven for as far back as record of of time and history and it's it's something we all need to look at and let's 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 learn from history and, and Ryan, it couldn't have been stated any better than right there and it's it's confusing to me. So anyway, glad I got all that off my chest. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's we're gonna move on to a livestock topic. And before we do so, I, I wanted to visit with Ryan. I, I think he judged the state Texas Hereford show uh, last uh, weekend. Was that is that Dale correct? is Dale is trying to get back at me for his plane rides. Uh, I would not so, do that. Uh, of course you wouldn't. So anyway, so yeah. I'll, I'll did did your mother approve of, uh, of how you sorted back. cattle? Okay, Dale, this is about me now. Hush, sit down and listen to the story. <laughs> so two weeks ago, my parents accompanied me to the State Hereford Show. Judged the show. They stayed a whole other day. I flew off to judge another event. And uh, last night, I'm over at my parents' house having family dinner, and I am going to judge the World Longhorn Show this week, among other things. And uh, Cherie is sitting there, and she says, Ryan, at the State Hereford Show, 
you did not walk down the front of those cattle and study their front ends and their feet. And I said, okay, yes. She said, well, you're fixing to judge that really big Longhorn show. And I think that's something that you need to do because it's extremely important. And I'm sure it was just an oversight on your part, but I strongly encourage you to do that when you judge that show this week. So I took 10 deep breaths and I said, well, mom, I, I agree that front ends and structure are really important, but you know, I stood there at the gate and I watched every single animal walk in and I studied their front end and you can actually study structure and feet better in motion than you can stopped. So I, I pay a whole lot of attention to those two areas of judging. And so I, I think I'm all right. Nope. You need to do as I'm telling you. It's very important and you're overlooking it. Heard ya, Cherie. Sure did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I, I'd like to defend Cherie. She, she has probably put on as many shows and been to as many shows as anybody in the country. So may, maybe you should take weight in what she's trying to guide. She's trying to help you. Mm-hmm. Dale. Sheree's never been asked to sort but one show in her life. She got asked to judge showmanship at a Simbra event down in the very depths of South Texas. It was a very traumatic experience for her. She was almost crying after it was over because it was so foreign and difficult to her. But she's going to tell me how to do my job. I don't tell her how to do the magazine. So we just need to stay in our own lanes. It'll be fine. But I know that you are Cherie's biggest fan. So if you want to call her and raw her on, you get with it. I think she should maybe maybe help you in that long run show. Maybe co-judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she could look at the front ends for you. There you go. I think that'd be a perfect <laughs> idea. And since Dale, i tell you what. i got a better idea. Since you work so well with Cherie... I will just send her up there to you, and y'all can judge together. And I'll take <laughs> Tara on my side. Got it. Got it. I, I love your mother to death, and I'm sure everything she's telling you is with the best intentions. Y'all notice he did not want to make the trade, though. Well, I don't know that, that your mother's going to want to come to Illinois. Everybody's trying to get out of Illinois. Nobody wants to come to Illinois. Well, I'm telling you, I, I bet I will find people to... Find the way to throw a show if you and Sheree want to. (laughs) We might do that. We might do that. Onward to the topic. This episode is hair or no hair. This topic seems to get a lot of attention whenever it's popped up into social media or or people are visiting about it. And we're talking about whether we show steers and hair, we show them slicked, or we show commercial does or weather dams and hair or any species. And we can even go back and talk about the days that they actually had butt wool on, on market weathers, lambs, that is. So there, it has been around. There's been controversy around it. Some shows implement certain rules, and, and it's gone a lot of different directions. Hopefully, Ryan and I can can openly discuss the, the pros and cons and, and maybe shed some light on this. And I don't know that there's going to be an absolute right answer, but let's jump right in and, and talk about steers, Ryan. What are what are some of the reasons you think that that Texas implemented the slick steer shows at, at some of the majors or most of the majors? Well, the, there was one reason. They thought that it was going to make a more even playing field. It absolutely, positively did not do that whatsoever at all. It 
completely went the opposite direction. In fact, it, the people that were serious and competitive, it made them even more victorious and successful in their quest. And so, but that was the reason because they felt that there were too many people that hired fitters that clipped them and fit them at shows. And that if we just slick shirt them, that everybody would have an equal chance. And again, it completely backfired in every way. But the reason that we still have it and it's still here is because it did do a lot of things for those shows that they don't want to talk about that made their life a lot easier. For instance, when you slick shirt them, you didn't need blow dryers or trim shoots or generators or clippers or any of those things. So not only did it make it a lot cheaper for those shows in terms of an electricity bill, but also the fire marshal wasn't on them for all these trim shoots being you know, in the aisles and there's not as much cleanup or because there's no paint, there's no glue, there's no mess. So everything about slick sharing steers from a management perspective, show management perspective, is a lot easier. And I know this is the fact because the shows that my mother put on uh, when we would go to different venues and uh, talk to them about prices, they would tell us that they would knock off a considerable amount of the fee to use that facility if we would just make it blow and show. Because it was going to save them money in a lot of different ways. So that's why it's still there. But the original intent was, we're going to make it fair for everybody. And I, and I believe that to be the case. And, and I'm assuming that came through extension and, and so forth. And, and great, we need an even playing field. And there's no question they did not accomplish what the goal was. And no, for those that, that haven't been to, say, Houston or San Antonio, it's different than the rest of the world. We, we usually have plenty of space to set up a shoot and, and blowers and, and all the, the, those type of all the equipment we need to, to fit an animal the way we, we are normally doing so here in the north. That space is is so limited with such large numbers in being space restricted down there. It has evolved into, into making it a much smoother run show. So I I completely get that. I remember going to the Houston Stock Show, and this is going to date me something terrible. And I would come home from the Houston Stock Show and say, I saw close to 100 steers there as good as I've ever seen. For sure, the top 10 were just off the charts good. This is when they were still in hair. The following year, the first year they implemented a slick rule, I went through most of the steers there, and I'm going to be very, very open and honest. I could not adjust and look at those cattle. I couldn't find one that I, I really fell in love with. And they, they were the same cattle. They didn't change the breeding and everything overnight, but they were the same cattle. And I, I couldn't appreciate them. Well, I, let me further this point for you here. I was not yet... I might have been first year in junior high. I don't think I was when we went from slick or from hair to slick. They did not announce the change in these rules till after the whole state of Texas had already validated their steers for the year. So we all purchased cattle like we always had, which hair was a big part of that purchase. Having no idea this was going to happen. So the first year, that we slick shared, it was the most tragic, disgusting 
sight I have ever seen. Now, I'm going to tell you on the flip side of that, the next year, it was infinitely better. And there is no question that the one thing that slick sharing steers in Texas has done that's not a positive for other than show management, it is made the top end of those cattle infinitely better. There's no doubt because you cannot hide anything. And so it has made the quality on the top bin better. I mean, there's no question on that. But that first year, it was devastating. And I, I remember that first year and in, in- I could not agree more that that we've made progress every single year, and and I wasn't aware, Ryan, that that first year that came the the rules came out after they were already purchased and nomination, yes, and that makes perfect sense because I Ryan can't I, I I was trying to be kind when I walked through that barn the first year the slick rule came in, I, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. It it, it shaved it, it chihuahuas was running amok. It, it was it was tough, but we and I did it. well that year. I had the reserve, I mean, on the Slick Share shows. I was reserve breed to the grand champion at at San Antonio, and I wasn't an exotic breed at Houston. I mean, I was right there in the thick of it, and I'm telling you, I've never been so embarrassed to lead animals in my life. <laughs> I'm sure I looked at those calves, and I was not impressed. Oh, not not in the least. And, and it's interesting. It's created almost a whole nother industry, and in, in rightfully so, that that people are obviously breeding specifically for slick steer, slick shown steers, and they're they're just a different genetic base, and it's 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 created an entire another market. The cattle are better. I am going to say that. Now, you know, I get asked this question a lot, especially when I go up north. Do you like it? Do you know? There's pros and cons to everything. Why I think that there has been more emphasis on structure and making them just better all the way around because we have no hair to hide anything. I think that the kids in Texas have lost a great deal in terms of the fact that not only are every show set for one of our majors slick shared, the majority of the jackpot shows are now blow and go. So, and all of the heifer shows except for one are blow and go. So kids are not learning how to, fit and glue cattle and clip cattle like they used to. And that was a really big part of it. And it still is a big part of it for states other than Texas. And so I think that we are missing out on that if you are a Texas exhibitor. And, you know, if you are passionate about this industry, you're going to learn it anyway. But the masses, so much not anymore. There's a lot of people. And especially when it first started, you know, it's gotten better over the years, that they bought their stare, turned it out, fed it, and until about a month before the show, because they knew they weren't going to have to have hair anyway, they didn't do anything with it. And again, that just made that divide between the people that were going to be competitive, whether it was hair or slick, even greater. Because I promise you, and, you know, anybody that has worked on skin and hair on a pig or goat or sheep will testify to this. It is harder to make skin and hair immaculate on a animal that has to be slick shorn than it is one that can have eight inches of shag all around its body. I promise you it is. 
And with with that fact, think about the the culture outside of Texas. That's a big draw for a lot of these youth to come into it because they enjoy working that hair. They enjoy learning how to fit. And if we stop and, and think about this, and, and Ryan often refers to it, we're we're basically dragging a bunch of circus animals out into a ring. And this is about building kids and not necessarily that specific animal type. If working hair, learning how to fit, all of those types of activities contribute to those those youth spending more time in the barn and building responsibility and building work ethic, all of the qualities that we talk about so often, there's there's definitely a case on both sides of it. And I think you can argue both sides. And I think it's healthy that that some shows are slicked and, and some shows aren't. I would be disappointed if it went all one direction. No, but I am going to say this, and I, I agree. There are, it doesn't matter what it is or what you do. There's pros and cons to every rule or, you know, every industry. But I do think that two years, Oklahoma, of course, this year with Rona and everything, it didn't happen. But for, I know at least one year, maybe two, but I think maybe just one, Oklahoma had a slick shirt show after Hawaii. Louisiana, the, their state fair is haired, but the show in Baton Rouge is slick. I will say, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, prop up the Indiana State Fair, but they have implemented a breed in the steer show that is a slick shorn breed. I think that is something that could be beneficial in all states, and this is why. As long as you could wait until you got to the fair to decide if you wanted to enter that slick sheared breed, there are some animals that you purchase them that no matter what you do, they're just not going to grow hair. And you may not know that when you've got them. Or, depending on the weather and the environment and what you have to work with in terms of facilities, you may your animal may lose its hair two weeks before the state fair after you have worked for almost a year on it. So having a slick sheared breed in those stair shows, I think that idea has a lot of merit. Again, it's not changing the rules for everybody, but it's just another option for people to be competitive in. By including that option, we, we bring more families into it. We may have families that feel very strongly they want to want to fit and they want to work hair. And we may have families that feel much better about fitting and, and showing those slick calves. So it it increases involvement and increases our youth numbers involved in this activity. It seems very simple. I mean, like I said, I, I think it is a very, very, very good idea for all of those state fairs to implement a breed like that because you have options. And I do think that you will get participation from some people that think, hey, you know, I can't, I don't have a cooler. I can't grow hair like X, Y, and Z. But if they had an option to play in the slickshire deal in a breed, they might reconsider it and put one on feed. I believe that that to be true. And it's interesting. I'm going to bring up another topic relative to this. For some of the steer judges that end up getting asked or the privilege to, to judge a steer show at one of the Texas majors outside of Fort Worth where they are slick shorn steers, Let's say a northern judge goes down there and they haven't been exposed to those slick cattle before. I can assure you, and, and I'm sure they aren't going to talk about it, but when they step into that ring in that first class and they've never sorted slick steers before, it's a culture shock. No question. 
we talk about honesty and transparency. I'm just fixing to be real, real honest with everyone. I don't care who you are, how talented you are, how many times you have seen a slick shirt show, judged a slick shirt show. It does not matter because I have been involved since we made the change to slick shirt steers in Texas. And I promise you, the first slick shirt steer show I go to every year after doing this for years and years and years, feeding them, clipping them, all that, it still takes me about 30 minutes when we get in that barn for my eye to get adjusted. And that is just the God's honest truth. And anybody that doesn't say that is, I'm going to say they're not being very honest with themselves. That's, that's just real. And a lot of times, and we can relate it to any species, we all think we can look through this hair. And, and maybe we can to a certain degree. But I promise you, some of these calves that we're winning some of these hair shows with, that they say, oh, he'd be a great slicked as well. We actually peel that hair off of there. Watch out, guys. It's, we can do more with hair than what I can put into words. And, I, and it's, it's pretty incredible. The things that you can do with clippers and glue and fitting products is amazing. And I'm telling you, until you've been down here and you've seen all sides of it, you don't understand because everybody knows I have a certain type and kind that I love and admire the most in livestock. And when I was picking out projects for kids and selling projects to kids, I could not gravitate completely to my ideal because it would not be competitive in a slick shirt stair show. And at least I knew that. And I like to win. So you adapt to it. But until you've been in the trenches of it, you really have no idea how different it is. And speaking of being in the trenches, and, and one more point that I wanted to address about feeding these slick shorn, shorn steers versus the hair steers, and, and Ryan can address it much better than I, I, I am under the impression, visiting with many people, it is more difficult. A lot of people think we're going to show them slick, kind of like Ryan talked about earlier. Let's just throw them out, feed them, bring them in them, and get them broke a month before or whatever we need to do. But to do it well and to win, because we don't have the hair there to maybe cover up those minor flaws, we're trying to do it with feeding and management, and it's probably more difficult to feed a slick steer than a hair steer. It is extremely more intensive and difficult to feed one because they're just like you said, there is no hair to cover anything up. Again, if we're just going to be real, real honest, I would say that more times than not, by a good margin, slick sheared steers have way more fat cover on them than what haired steers do because when they do have more fat on them, they appear smoother. Then at the same time, you have to do other things to make sure that you are still toned because a flat square muscle that we all, I think, universally in this industry think is pretty appealing in terms of hair. Uh, it is just what I said, flat when you take the hair off of it. So when you evaluate a slick shirt steer from the side and they have that square, long, smooth muscle pattern, they look assless. So you have to gravitate to one that has, I'm not saying they need to be round, but they have to have more delineation and pop 
in terms of that muscling. So they appear to be heavier muscled from, and especially on a side view profile. And so again, it is way more difficult, way more intensive to uh, feed one of those things. There is no question, especially if you have a northern judge coming down that maybe isn't as familiar with those slick calves, to get those calves, just like you talked about, to look smooth enough to drop them just a little bit more in their flank, to look like what a, a northern judge wants them to look like, there's one way to do it, and that that's getting them fat. And they're going to consistently, in my mind, be fatter than what we, we have on hair steers, the champions across the board. Oh, I promise. They, they, ha- they have to be. They don't have a choice. I promise. As we, we go from the steers, and, and I think we've, we've hit the, the good and the bad, and I, I would encourage show managers out there, especially at the state fair level, and use Indiana as an example. Give those families a choice. It's, it's one or two more classes or a division that, that doesn't require that much more may continue to get more youth involvement. So I'm, I'm all in there. It's interesting, and, and, and I stepped out of the cattle world as far as being in the trenches for, for many years and have jumped back in it here this past year. On the breeding cattle side and discussions about hair, there was a, a time where, where all of the Angus cattle were, were slick shorn and, and just hair was not accepted in that, that ring under many different breeds. And it seems as though all of a sudden we have some of the, the families that are coming in with a little more hair on these females. And it's, it's evolved and it's bounced back and forth. And I'm, I'm quite frankly, Ryan, I'm not sure where, where it's at right now or what the opinion is because you still have the old school breeders that would prefer not to have that hair on there. And if they're sorting those shows, maybe even discriminate against some of the hair. And then you've got some of the younger guys coming up that they look great. I mean, they're looking the part. There's a quality animal that's been presented really well. Where, where are we at in the breeding cattle? What, what direction are we going hair versus not hair? Oh, I don't think you're ever going to get the breeding cattle people to not have hair. And I prefer shows with hair and definitely on the female side. Once again, not just me, but most people that sort cattle, uh, they're always going to want those steers to be stouter and more muscular, and they'll take... Uh, you know, a nicer looking one in terms of the female side that may have that square, smooth, long muscle pattern. And be honest with you, if you pulled the hair, and I am not like trying to be rude or about any breed, but I've done this enough and I know what it's like in terms of steers. If you pulled the hair off those shorthorn cattle or those Hertford cattle, and th- those are two really, really, really popular breeds. I don't think you'd have many people want to show them. No, and I don't, I don't think we'll ever go to a slick rule, just more so that there was a time we were showing them with less hair, but I, I think those days are gone. I, I th- I no, I think it's this fluffy, uh, the fluffy cow syndrome is in full effect. I mean. Ac- across breeds. Yeah, it's hairy. And it, across species now. True. It's, it's not just cows. <laughs> True. It's across species. What do, what do you think? And we're going to jump around a little bit. What do you think of the shaggy pigs? I tell you what, I admire anybody that like, or any industry that tries new things and stuff like that. I'm not going to tell you that I don't like it because I do think, you know, when you get that extra leg hair on those pigs, that helps stout them in terms of their feature and surface. I don't mind them being a little hairier in terms of their body because once again, you can create some angles and do some things. Uh, I think just like anything in this world, 
when we go way far out there on extremes, it's probably not going to be beneficial all the times. Uh, the one thing that drives me crazy the most on pigs is, you know, we're trying to get them hairier and all this. And so it's, it's like from the point of their ears back, you want them to be a show steer, but there's no blending in terms of that neck down to the head, neck and snout. So they're like shaved there and then woolly mammoths at the back. And so I think that, you know, and again, this is a new trend. And so, uh, I think just like everything, you know, moderation is cool. I do think it's a cool trend. I do like it. I think that we need to be a little more savvy on terms of making those transitions in certain places and maybe not just trying to make a show pig a fluffy cow, but I do think it's got some merit to it. Now, maybe I, a little more natural look and let that blending. Yeah, it's got it's got to blend more. You, you got to blend more, but... No. And it will evolve into that. No oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, this trend's pretty new. But, I mean, right right now, and when it first started, like, that was that, it's still an issue in some terms. But, yeah, just blending the transitions will help a lot in the pig deal. When you bring this up and you tell me that, or some people have commented on one of our episodes when we talked about, was this related, is the livestock show related to commercial industry and all this stuff? In terms of pigs... All this hair and stuff on them, that's all coming off when they go to the Packers. So that's not, this is not one of these trends that is commercially oriented there, Dale. Now, some, some of the Packers, though, when we, they were complaining that when we take the hair down too tight, that whole scalding process was, was having issues. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, and again, it's not having any impact, but the Packers would prefer some of that hair on them. Well, it's got to be better than when we were surgically. I mean, <laughs> much, much better. Um, I'm going to go backwards just a little bit back to the breeding cattle and, and we're talking about hair and we already talked about this in the steers, but without hair, it's, it, it's going to bring out the flaws. Maybe we can make better cattle per se, but we can also make better cattle that, that have hair and, and we've selected for cattle that are going to look good in that. But the one thing that you brought up and, and I've, I've had this, this issue for many years, especially as a judging coach, when you talk about a longer or squarer muscle, versus a rounder muscle or more delineation. To me, a flatter muscle or a longer muscle is nothing more than lighter muscle. We're, we're attaching proportionally at the same spot on the skeleton, and, and it's not shorter or longer unless that animal is shorter or taller, but rather it's lighter muscle or heavier muscle. And, and sometimes we, in my mind, make excuses that, well, this is a, a, a longer, smoother muscled heifer. Well, she is, but she's at the same time, she's just lighter muscled. Mm. There is no debating that, Ryan. Mm. I, Does muscle attach at different parts of the skeleton? No, I'm not saying that, but I don't know if I can go with you there completely. Give me, give me smoother. What do you mean by smoother? I'm just talking about roundness versus squareness is a real thing. Whether you want it, it is, it is. It's how the skeleton's laid out, and it's a matter of whether they're heavier muscled or lighter muscled. That's it. It's simple. Mm, Dale, I can't go there with you completely. It's, bi- it's biological. It's easy. Uh, we can we can continue to pretend. Let's talk about this long feminine muscle pattern. No, that's crap. Here's a lighter muscled heifer. If you want to use a lighter muscle, Dale, heifer, I think you're great. off your meds a little bit. No, and and I'm not saying use heavier muscled females or not use them. I'm just saying call it what it is. And and there is there's there's no way to to say well this is okay, this is smoother muscled or okay here, Mister. 
judging team coach extraordinaire. Explain this to me then. If you say that the square long muscle ones are just flatter and lighter muscle ones, then why? And I would almost say the majority of the times are those rounder ones. They're not as wide. Not as wide at the ground. Wide at the ground or when you stand directly behind them. They don't have as much width as the square ones. So your point of saying that they're just slider muscled, eh, that's why I can't go there with you because I can, I can, I can see that. And, and, and let's, let's, and if I take back, I can address that how wide they are at the ground. Some of our heaviest muscled, highest cutability pigs ever were these PIC hybrid hogs and they would cut with monster eyes and percent muscle off the charts. And they were some of the narrowest based animals on the planet. So I, I, I even can go out there and say there's minimal correlation between muscling and how wide they track, even though we like to make it a big deal. But you are correct, and I cannot defend it. We have, and I'll use some of these goats as an example. We have some goats that on the profile will give you that perfect delineated shape through their, from their, their pins down into their stifle region or through their hip and, and rump that you think, wow, this is, this is a nice muscle shape. We can, we can get excited about it. But guess what? Some of those same ones, just as you're talking about, Ryan, when I get behind them, they're not wide enough. And some of those that on the profile are the flattest, when we get behind them, they're probably as wide as any from behind. So I, I surrender on that one, that there, there is. So what you're saying is, is I'm right and you're wrong. No, I say that you have a, a minor point, but we cannot deny smoother muscle, flatter muscle. That's a W for the gay. He won't admit it, but that's a W for the gay. <laughs> Smoother muscled and, and flatter muscled is lighter muscled. We're, we're not going to, we're not even going to discuss that part. That, that is what it is. We just don't like to accept it. Fake news. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. I jumped into the, the goat side and, and there's probably more discussion and, and, and people that are very passionate whether does should be shown slicked or with hair. When we talk about the full bloods and the percentage goats, all of those are shown in hair to my knowledge. I, yes. I don't know much about that side of it. But when we get into the weather side, we have what we call commercial does or weather dams. Same thing to me. Some are shown slick, just like some steers are shown slick. Some are shown in hair. And there, there, there's people that are very passionate one way or the other. It's very simple to me. If, if you can have a slick show for does and people want to enter it, have a slick show or have that as part of the show, but don't deny those that, that want to work the hair and, and fit the hair and, and have it on, on, on that side as well. Very similar to what we're, we're seeing in cattle, but it definitely gets a lot of debate. And, and it's for the same reasons their, their thoughts are that if we slick these off, we're making an even, even playing field for everyone. And we talked about learning from history. I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's many people that if you go back and study the slick steers in Texas, it, it did not work. No. And it not only did it not work, it, it did the opposite. No, and that's what I'm saying. There are lots of pros to especially from a management side, having slick shirts, their shows, we've all accepted it. We're fine with it. But the original intent and idea was to level the playing field. And they really thought that little Johnny who had never won a show was going to end up winning one. And it did not do that. It literally went complete opposite direction. And I promise you the people that were serious and were winning before it was just easier and they were more successful. And that will be the case no matter what. I think if you want to have a division again for slick shared commercial dams or weather does, whatever you want to call them, and you got enough people there to do that, get with it. But it's not going to change the outcome, folks. 
I'm going to sound like a broken record on this episode of that, but it's not going to change the outcome. The good so, managers, the good feeders, the so good breeders are yeah. still going to succeed. So don't don't do it for that in the hopes that it's going to change because I promise you, you're going to be very, very disappointed. But the one thing that I will say, given I, I like to give props to where it goes, the fact that the GOAT industry has literally just embraced and gone full out on fitting these things like the last couple of years or so. I mean, they went from nowhere from zero to hero in like the shortest time ever. So good for them. And I think it's brought a lot more people from other species into, into the goat world because they, they enjoy doing that, that they're passionate about fitting these and, and quite frankly, making them look, different than what they have for a vision of a stereotypical goat. It, it's interesting to me. And a lot of times people talk about, well, it's easier for a judge to sort those slick goats or we can see the differences easier. Maybe it is if you're used to doing so. But I'll tell you what, sometimes you'll get into, and, and we're so immature in the how many generations of breeding show goats relative to other species, you get into some of the slick doe shows and all of a sudden you start scratching your head and thinking, well, this isn't easy because I can't find enough of them that I really like. Where we put hair on them and we carve them out a little bit, yeah, probably a little bit easier to look at. And, and there's a lot to that. Which brings me to the, to the topic that we get asked many times, and sometimes I'll post a picture up on social media with a, a doe that our manager, Craig's, as good as there is at, at getting those does carved out and, and we're capable of getting a good picture of them. And, and trust me, any sale goat that we ever have, those goats have been washed one time. They go to the wash rack, they go to the clipping stand, and they go to the picture chain. So we're not working the hair at all prior to those pictures, but some genetically just have more and, and it works. But we'll put a picture up there and we'll have a comment that, well, what's that one look like without hair? Why don't you slick that one off? And to me, it's, it's very simple that, that the weathers that we sell, the prospect weathers, all the weathers for the most part, not not every show, but every major show, national show and state fair are shown slick shorn. We leave the, the leg hair below the knee and uh, hair below the rear hock, but the rest of it is is slick shorn. And that is how we sell those, those prospect weathers. We sell them slick shorn. We sell the does fitted, clipped out, just like they would at a state or national show. And it's confusing to me. And, and everybody says, well, how do we have more success in our online sales or how do we present them better, what do we What do we need to do? Just look at how those buyers are going to be exhibiting them and do the same thing. It, it doesn't seem that complicated, yet there seems to be quite a bit of controversy. And I get it. We're seeing a lot of weathers that are blocked out and in full hair that are going online sales. Some sell well, some don't. That's the buyer's option if they want to do that. To me, let's present them just as they're going to be presented nationally. Well, to... Further reiterate the, iterate this point. Uh, we just had Blaine Rogers on last week. So not two months ago, probably, I get a text. And he said, can you please explain to me why there are so many people in Texas that sell these steers with them slick shared all but up on their rear and shoulder and why do they clip them like that? And why do they sell them like that? They look like terrible poodles, etc. <laughs> and it's just like you just said, 
a lot of people in Texas market those with them clipped that way so people will see what they're getting because they know that unless you're going to Fort Worth, you're going to be slick shirt in the end. And so a lot of people have gone to that. I mean, I'm not, and I'm talking about not just for sales, private treaty. There's a one of the most successful guys in the steer market in the world. You go to Tony Jeff's house, and I promise you there are way more baby steers running around there that are down clipped or slicked up than there are running around with hair come sale time. Because that's that's what sells for him. The buyers right. want to see it. it. It seems easy. And, and if you jump to the online sales even more, when when you're trying to sell a weather in full hair, and, and maybe it's because of temperature, and we used to shear just their butts and tops and leave some on their high on their sides because of how cold it was when we were selling, that is valid. And I think in some cases we need to do that. But it's it's so difficult to evaluate a market weather in hair that you know you're going to show slicked that that's, that's difficult, especially on an online sale. If you can see them in person, maybe. I can assure you I'll get calls all the time and they say, well, what's the next sale look like? Well, we haven't taken the hair off those weathers. We can tell you good from bad. We know how they're bred and we have a pretty good idea. But until that hair comes off, you're going to be you're you're going to be fooled more times than what you want to admit, and and that's that's just the the simple fact of it, and and it is what it is. But when we're marketing online, let's try to present them as close to what they're going to be shown as possible, and I think that gives the buyer that much better of an idea and on what it can look like. Now, are you going to get that dough fit as well as what our manager Craig does? Probably not. Are you going to get them set up exactly as well as he does? No, they're they're going to look the best right then. Because he's getting them stuck. He's the one that's doing the fitting. If you can duplicate that, that is what they can look like, if that makes sense. And when we go to somebody's place that's selling club calves and they've got those those calves uh, slicked down, I mean, it, it, this this is where you're at. If I'm buying them and I'm buying for a slick show, it's easy. I want to see those calves slicked down. Honestly, when I go to look at, at the few calves that, that we've shown the past couple of years, I would much prefer to see that calf in hair. Then I'd love to see it on the wash rack just to know what I have to work with. How many people up in the north are a little offended if you ask them to go to the wash rack, Ryan? Oh, the most. But I'm telling you, <laughs> like, that is commonplace in Texas. If they're not slick shared, then now the people that sell them, which ones are you interested in? All right, let's take those to the wash rack. I mean, that, that's just part of the deal now. That's Here interesting. And it, needs, and, and it needs to be done. It goes back to the fact that we may think we can look through it, but we just can't look through it as well as what we would like to believe. No, I'm glad you brought that up because that is literally commonplace in Texas in terms of marketing show steers now. You know, if they're still hairy and clipped up, I mean, l- more times than not, and especially the people that are successful and want those kids to succeed because that makes them successful and better off in the end. This, this like, so what numbers are you interested in? 36, 42, 71. All right, we're going to halter those up, take them over here. We're going to wet them down so you can see them like that. I mean, that, that is no longer, that is the rule instead of the exception, I guess is how I should put it. That's interesting to me because I, w- I, I guess if I'd have thought about it, I would assume some of that's happening, but I, I was not aware of that. And I can promise you outside of Texas, it's it's not being done oh, no, without it's like a you request. Threw hot, scalding water on them if you ask that, because I've done it before. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 again, we're going to show them with hair, but but it's nice to see what's underneath there, just in case that hair is not going to hold. To know what we we kind of have to work with, but 
I enjoyed this discussion. There's there's a, a topic or a, an issue here that we talked about earlier. One of the the things that's helped, and, and Ryan brought it up. We took these these goats from not being very popular. I talk about from the back seat to the front seat, and a lot of that happened via social media. And some of these goats with hair and being clipped up and and looking like quality livestock. In general, people want to see livestock. Not not everybody. The younger generation and a lot of people out there want to see those animals pimped out, beauty pageant, all all the above that's interesting to them. It's intriguing to them. They enjoy being a part of that. And and I can't emphasize enough if those things benefit our youth by getting them to put more time and effort into it, building that that work ethic and giving them a sense of pride that, wow, look what I was able to accomplish with, with this one's skin and hair coat and how I've got this one clipped out. All of those factors contribute to that building of that youth. I'm completely on board. So uh-huh. let's let's give them options. Let's not just take it one way or the other. I know we haven't got to this point yet, but I mean, we've talked about hogs, we've talked about ghosts, but the sheep deal, the shaggy leg thing, it is, I mean, as insane as any. I mean, they are more concerned about shag on those sheep than they are leg hair on steers and heifers. I promise you. And there's so much of it. It's it's almost abnormal looking. But once you're you're in that world and you start seeing it, you can go more and more because you've already kind of adjusted to it. And with that much shag in those lambs, when they're propped up on the side and not moving, you have no idea what that hind leg structure is even like. <laughs> Just being as honest as I can. When they go in motion, we, we can tell some differences, but it's it's huge. And and I don't know if it's still trending that way or if they're reeling back. I'm assuming oh, no. Reeling. Oh, no. No, no, no. 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 No, no. Trending up. Trending up. <laughs> and and I don't know, Ryan, if you remember, and I can barely remember this, and we, we had shown a few, or I had shown a few market lambs with butt wool, where the butt wool, they'd be slicked out except for their, their hip and their, their leg. And that their, was the coolest thing ever. I, I think, you know how, how cool those things looked? I mean, you can. Well, and like OIE, they still did the market lambs like that. I mean, I don't remember when they quit, but it wasn't a huge long time ago. It, I mean, probably 10 years maybe, but they used to say, and like, I, like if you got up on top of those things, I would like, because I've always just been fascinated with all species of livestock. And so I would go back and I'd be like, you cattle jogs think y'all can big shit. Y'all go try to do what these sheep boys do. With this <laughs> butthole stuff. I say, y'all do that. Come back and talk to me about how good y'all are. Because it was so different, but it still looked natural. I don't, I mean, when it was good, when it was done well, you know what I'm saying? I I, I thought it was just amazing. No, they there was as much art and talent being done there. And what I love right there, Ryan, you said it. It was it was left down there, but it still looked natural. When you got off of those 10, 15 feet, I mean, that looked like their muscle shape. That looked oh, like absolutely. Was, everything fit. Remember we talked about making it look natural? Like these and pigs were, were shaggy bodies. And, and correct. I yeah, mean, unbelievable to the to the level it got to. I, I was blown away. And I would literally tell the guys working for me, I'm like, y'all think y'all are so cool. I'm going to bring one of my – because. I showed sheep. I said, I'm going to get one of my sheep, and I'm going to see if y'all can do what these boys in Oklahoma can do. And when y'all do that, then we'll talk about how good y'all are. Nobody ever took <laughs> me up it. on it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've enjoyed today's episode. Ryan, do you have anything you'd like to add further? 
There's all sides to every issue. I think the more that we can do that keeps kids in the barn, working those animals, spending more time with them, because not only is it keeping them from rioting and looting and shenanigans, but it is uh, it keeps them there in a family environment and stuff like that. I think it's great. Again, we are going to, and, you know, this is kind of all trending up in the small animal species more than ever before, and that's good. Just like everything else, I worry that sometimes we're going to take it so far that we're going to have to rail it back in. But, uh, again, I'm... It's exciting to see, and it, I, I just like that every, no matter how competitive we get in this industry, someone's always trying to find a way or a new trend to become even more competitive. And that's what keeps us alive, and that's what keeps us going in this industry. So that part, I say, out of boy and girl, too. And, and there's no question, because of the competitive nature, those things will continue to happen. It's interesting how it, we think we're finally at a settling spot within species or where we're going to be, but guess what? We're going to keep going. Oh, absolutely. Well, to all of our, our listeners out there, I appreciate you allowing Ryan and I into your life once a week. Until next week, be safe. See y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>